Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. And here on Leading Simple with Rusty George, we try to make following Jesus and leadership a little bit more simple. And today we got a guy that's going to give us great insight. And I got to meet this guy uh, via Zoom, and we, it's just like we've been living parallel lives. We run in similar circles, but have never met. He's a pastor out of South Dakota. His name is Adam Weber. Adam, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Oh, Rusty, it's a two-way street. I'm honored uh, for the chance to be on the podcast, and great. It's been just a, a gift getting across paths with you. So for our people that don't know you, give us kind of the the elevator pitch for your life, um, where you grew up, school, wife, kids, Cincinnati Bengals, all that. Yeah. So I'm a born and raised South Dakotan. If you ever meet a person who's uh, in South Dakota, but wasn't born and raised here, I, I, God may not love them, but uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm born and raised and uh, went to school for business and marketing, came to Christ later on in high school, had a radical transformation, always thought I'd work in a business or an ad agency of some kind. Summer, summer before my senior year of college, I filled in for a pastor up in North Dakota. Within the first week, I knew I was going to be a pastor. Uh, so I finished my business degree. The pastor I filled in for in North Dakota, I married his daughter. We went to Asbury, Kentucky. I went and got my master's out at Asbury, uh, kind of your neck of the woods where you've been before. Um, mm-hmm. Went through Asbury uh, the summer before my last year at Asbury. My home pastor led me to Christ. Said, "Hey, what do you think about starting a? What do you think about the idea of starting a new church in Sioux Falls?" And I actually told him it was a bad idea, and I asked him why he was uh, calling me, and he said because I'm, I want you to be the pastor. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, have the, I didn't have the courage to say no. Ended up coming back to South Dakota in Sioux Falls, started a church when I was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a wonderful, fantastic, hard, brutal, beautiful uh, journey. And um, love the church that I get to pastor here called Embrace. We're multi-site. Uh, we also have, um, I think we're up to eight churches now that are not embraced that utilize our message real time. So they're kind of like campuses, but separate churches. So we have that going on. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Becky, uh, six coming up on 16 years here. Um, we got four kids still trying to figure out where kids come from. And, um, yeah, so I've written a couple books and I'm the most unlikely person for God to use. And yet I'm thankful he can use anybody. And also I'm a, I'm a diehard Bengals fan. So I, I was actually just looking at pictures the other day, uh, old pictures. My mom just gave me a shoecase full of pictures. It honestly, almost every year, my, my birthday cake was something Bengals. And so it's <laughs> every year, it's a different kind of Cincinnati Bengals cake. So, wow. Well, it's been a long stretch for you, my friend, since the icky shuffle, uh, but uh, hopefully, I mean, now that the Chiefs have won, I don't care who wins. You know, it, it just I, if you want to win one, go ahead. It's just the greatest thing ever. Absolutely. Well, listen, I've been through South Dakota. My, my congregation loves the stories I tell about that journey. Uh, I cannot find a reason to go back. Um, tell me, <laughs> tell me what's good about South Dakota besides Mount Rushmore and Wall Drug. The so right now there's a thing called this COVID pandemic where you're I've supposed to. Sh- I've heard of it. You're supposed to social distance. 
<laughs> out out in South Dakota, we've been social social distancing since the founding of our state. So if you're looking for wide, actually, it's been kind of crazy the amount of people who are moving to South Dakota right now. Wow. Uh, we got good t- we got good tax breaks, by the way, for for companies. So if you're looking to move your business out of Manhattan or L.A., uh, we're we're the best place to be. The beaches here are amazing. It's usually a balmy 70 degrees year round. And so uh, I'll make up a whole bunch of other things that are not true. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is wide open spaces, that's for sure. So people aren't considering that from here, but they should. (laughs) If it wasn't for our winters, if it wasn't for our winters, which lasts what feels like eight months out of the year, Uh this, this would be the place to live. I was going to say, that's a big statement since it takes up most of the calendar. It's like Seattle saying, if it wasn't for the rain. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So you did what some people have attempted to do and some of our church planters that are listening to this podcast have done, which is they've started a church in somewhat of their hometown where they're from. There's tremendous advantage to that because you kind of know the terrain, you know the people, you speak the language. But on the other hand, as Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So what was the dynamic there? What made it easier? What made it more difficult? Uh, The easier is what I'll start with. I had no idea how much uh, I knew my own people. And Mm. so, again, I was in Kentucky. Um, Even in the area where we're in, everybody looked just like me, a lot of white Caucasian people where we were at at Asbury. Um, and yet, even though we might look the same, I didn't realize how different we were. Mm. I knew I, for the most part, I'm making a general statement here. I know what it's like to grow up Lutheran Catholic in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and South Dakota mm. and, um, very different, which is totally different than Kentucky. I always say in Sioux Falls, if you asked who was going to hell, uh, to almost anybody, they'd be like, Ah, maybe somebody who murdered somebody, maybe Mm. in Kentucky, if you asked who was going to hell, everybody would be like, you know, I hope I don't go there because I think most people are going like there's billboards in Kentucky that tell you you're going to hell. I've never seen those in South Dakota. And so I knew I didn't realize how different I was and how unique wherever anybody is in the country. So that's what made it easier. I knew exactly how to reach them. Legalism in South Dakota uh, is go to church, get confirmed, don't drive your mother crazy. Mm. We, don't, we don't have the, I prayed the prayer 17 times and I, hmm. I know I shouldn't do this. It's that, you know, like legalism. Again, I'm very generalizing. We just don't really have it. Wow. I never knew that. I, I would assume Lutheran Catholic, it would be even worse. Again, it's certain things. So like Catholic, you'll find like the importance of mass and taking communion. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Lutheran, you want to make sure you get confirmed and baptized as an infant. Mm. Those are the two things. But uh, like, like the whole like, don't don't party. Yeah, you can party because you can go to church and be forgiven on Sunday. Ah, yeah, okay, that makes total sense then. Okay, and so there's just like there's not that legalism of like, I mean, um, yep, I got confirmed. I'm going to go to church every so often to make my mom happy. And that's about it. So it's just different. So that's what made it easier when I started specifically being a church planner of just knowing the the area, what made it harder. um, Honestly, we kind of joked about it earlier. I I really didn't want to move back here. Mm. Just even just everything from weather wise, 
um, I, I wanted to explore. You know, you want to you want to try to try to do something different. You want to move away from home and try some new things. And so I think that made it hard as as well. Another thing that made it easier was just all the relationships. I mean, South Dakota feels like a small town. Mm. And so, I mean, you just know a lot of people. If you're from here, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I went to co- uh, college with that guy. And so it's, it's a lot easier to connect and get people to reach people for Christ. Um, but yeah, the difficult part was coming back and really not, this wasn't my plan. Yeah. And so that was hard. That was hard to adjust. My plan was to go to the East coast somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so it was just really hard to set aside what I thought God, what I thought I wanted to do and I, what I thought God would get behind. And so it was hard to surrender what I wanted to do because I did not have any desire to start a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay. So let me dive into that just a bit because you're, you're scratching the surface here on something that every single one of us struggles with, whether you're a pastor or not. How do you know the will of God? And I want to give you your perspective, or let me say your story from two different perspectives. One is well, if you've got a passion for the East Coast, my goodness, they need churches out there. So that's got to be the will of God. But the other perspective is, well, it's your hometown. You need to go back and help them. Who else will go to Sioux Falls if not you? Um, you know, that must be the will of God. How do you balance all that? How do you know when it's God's will? And how do you know when it's God saying, you know what, I'll bless you either way you choose? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times it's that second part, either way, I'll bless you, you choose. For for me, with starting the church, um, again, the pastor who led me to Christ, led me to my wife, an internship, led me to Asbury. I mean, this, this man's had a huge impact on my life. I didn't have the courage to tell him no. Yeah. And so, uh, so many times in my life, I feel like I've not had to make a decision because the decision was made for me. I mean, even where I went to college, who I married, um, like there's been so many decisions that I feel like I haven't made a lot of decisions because I I don't know if it's just God's kindness and knowing I'm so simple. I mean, it was just this feeling that I couldn't kick for me. What's been, but what to be more honest and candid, you know, a couple of years ago, went through a really, really hard season. And so for me, that was really where I struggled with is my time here over. Mm. Am I, am I supposed to move on? And in that season, you know, I was hurting so much and I was so jaded as a leader. Mm. And when you're in those seasons, it's probably not the best to trust the Holy spirit inside of you. And maybe it's best to trust the Holy spirit inside of some people who are not hurting and jaded. And so I really, really did that. You know, I, I, Mm. there's two, three friends in my life along with my wife um, who I really leaned into in that season. Cause that was a season that I wanted to be, Dundee. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I was ready to yeah. peace sign, but maybe not a peace sign. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the one finger peace sign. Yeah. And so, and so that was a time that I had to lean into the Holy spirit inside of my friends. Um, as far as like, I don't trust myself right now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, God, I need to trust what other people are saying and not a single person around me said it's time to go Adam. Yeah, that's so well said. Not a single person. And so I think I think a lot of times it is that option of like, hey Adam, either way, God, I'm going to bless you. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, my encouragement when you're in a season when you're jaded, exhausted, uh bitter, that's not the time to really trust your instinct. Hopefully, Lord willing, you have a few people around you mm. who love you enough to tell you what you don't want to hear because I did not want to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's 
that's so profound, and I hope our listeners are writing that down because trusting the Holy Spirit inside of somebody else who's not looking at it through your lenses, because we typically run away from things rather than run to something. You know, it's the whole Jonah principle, you know? And uh, we, we just assume it's going to be easier somewhere else. So why don't we go over there? And you know, our problems always follow us. I, uh, the guy that was at Southland before Mike Bro and before John Weiss, um, a guy by the name of Wayne Smith, he's the guy that planted the church. He was there 40 years. I had the privilege of working with him for a couple of years before he retired. And he told me one time, um, if you want to resign, um, take a month to pray about it. If you still want to resign, write your, resigna- write your resignation letter, put it in the desk for a month. If you still want to resign, share it with a friend. And then after that, you can go ahead and resign. Whoa. How many times did you write that letter? He said, oh, several. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's just that the, 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 the longer you wait, God's voice seems to get a little louder over time rather than quieter, you know. And I think that's such, such clarity for all of us that you just shared. That's good stuff. And when I and I thank God that I had people because right now I'm in the middle of a sweet season. Yeah. And I'm thanking God. And um, it's a season I did not think would come again uh, where I'm at. Yeah. And so that's being that's an encouragement to somebody too going going through what feels like hell yeah. is um, if uh, I would have never in a million years thought it could be this sweet. I had a similar situation where. Um, it was so hard to try to buy land and build a building and all of that. And right towards the end of that process, we're getting ready to move in and my home church called me. And, you know, you just, you love your home church because it's where you got saved and, you know, where it changed your life and sent me to Bible college and all that. And I was really, really thinking about it. I thought maybe I was just the guy to get us in the building and now I leave. And wise people around me said, no, this isn't the move for you. And And I turned them down, and I'm so glad that I did uh, because of the sweet season I got to experience. Now, other hard seasons came, but I I know that was the right move at the time. Now, you mentioned in a sweet season, and i got to ask you about this, because you you are an extrovert. This is where you and I differ dramatically, okay? You're an extrovert, and during the COVID season, and South Dakota, goodness, you're practicing social distancing at all times, I mean— you got to really try to seek out community. And you just in passing mentioned something you've been doing lately uh, to kind of not just scratch that itch of community, but also even help people find Jesus. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't recommend that anybody do this. Um, this has been so about two years ago. I started getting the idea of what would it look like um, to go and sit up, uh, set up a desk on a, a, a sidewalk. And so I ordered a, a suitcase online that folds out into a desk. I had two chairs. I had a bobblehead of a Minnesota Twins baseball player. I had a picture of my wife. I got a little fake plant to set on it. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I had a sign that said, need to talk, grab a seat. So I got all the items together. And for a year, I did not do a single thing with it. Had it in my, my back of my trunk for a year. And every time I would get the idea that I'm going to go set up this desk on the street corner, I chickened out. And um, it was just one day, God was just like, are you going to just go do that? 
And I was like, okay, um, all right. I mean, Sioux Falls is small enough where people are going to know who I am. It's not like I get to blend into Chicago and whatever. And <laughs> so I, 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 audi- I audibly said, I was like, God, I know there's two places I'm going to park on the main drag down downtown Sioux Falls because this guy has got as white a skin as can be, so I need shade. So it's a very specific place that I can sit. I was like, God, there's two places in my mind that I can sit. If there's an open parking spot near net, uh, near them, I'll get out and I'll do it. So I drive by the first place, no parking spot. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly like jazzed. Next place I come, the exact parking spot in my brain is wide open. Wow. So I get there, I pull my car up. I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's people everywhere. Like, you know, this is pre-COVID. And so I set up that desk so fast, pull up my computer and I start working, keeping my head down. Like maybe if I just keep my head down, people won't realize that I have a desk set up in the middle of whatever. And so uh, I thought nobody in their right mind is going to sit down. And um, I have been blown away by how many people have sat down uh, over now the year and a half that I've been doing it. So I, I'll set up at my desk, you know, need to talk, grab a seat. And I've had people tell me uh, it was the worst day of their life. And they just found out their dad is dying of cancer. Um, I had a businessman sit down. Uh, he was actually the first really full conversation I had. Um, he was a very sharp scientist. He told me his resume, probably 50 years old. His shirt looked like it was more expensive than my car. And he uh, started telling me about panic attacks that he's having mm. and just started started sobbing in front of me. Uh, I had a guy one time write a song for me because after I listened to him, he went home, grabbed a guitar, came back and started playing music for me. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you can't imagine the yahoos that I've met. <laughs> And just the spectrum of person. I mean, I really thought it'd be a lot of low income people who would sit down just because like, hey, I got time on my hands. No shame. I'm already sleeping on the street. Uh, It's, you know, some low income folks have sat down, but it's been people who are high end, uh, who's sharp professionals who don't know who I am that have sat down on a street corner in front of, so they're joining my madness when they do that yeah. just to be, just to be heard. But uh, through the, through the virus though, um, I, so sometimes I'll set up my full desk. I have an old 1936 Chevy. I just leave it in the back of that. So when I take my old Chevy, that's what I do. Um, but in the back of my Fiat, my, my daily driver, I just have a lawn chair with a sign that says need prayer. Well, lately, mm-hmm. lately, I haven't even been using the need prayer sign because I haven't even had to pull it out. I just sit on my old school lawn chair randomly and people just start stopping and talking and I pray for someone's son or I um, at one of the places I sit, it's uh, the CBS reporters walk by and so they'll yak with me and talk with me or I mean, it's just the most random thing. And yet it's been amazing ministry wise what it's allowed me to do and um, just through this season, really, God has been convicted me. Um, hey, Adam, um, it's one thing to know the names of everybody uh, that everybody wants to know the names of. You know, our mayor, his name's Paul Tanhankin, one of the sharpest. He's basically a model. I harass him every time I see him. And, you know, all these movers and shakers, business people, blah, blah, blah. Everybody wants to know their name. But lately, God has been just kind of challenging me. Hey, you, do you know the names, though, the first name of everybody who uh, nobody wants to know the name of. Mm -hmm. And um, do those people know your name, Mm -hmm. uh, Adam? 
And so for me, that's really been a challenge. And so I'm proud to know the names of people like Oscar and AC and Gary. Those are three uh, homeless fellas mm. downtown Sioux Falls. Those are the people that I want to get to know the name. And that's I like, I want them to know my name too. That's like half the population of Sioux Falls, right? That's half the town. That's half the yeah, town. Yeah, that's right. That's no, but it's, I saw, so Gary is this man who uh, on most days he's sleeping on the benches. Mm. And uh, I had this moment cause he's, uh, he was sitting there, he sat up and I was walking by with my wife and you know, everybody's trying to avoid him like the plague, you know, just he's going to ask for money and he does. I mean, he usually does, but I walk up and I'm like, Gary, mm. you, how are you doing today? And he looked like I had, uh, I, I he could not believe I knew his name. Mm-hmm. I mean like startled. And he's like, uh, good. And I'm like, that's great to hear. Mm. We still need to grab lunch sometime. Cause I told him I wanted to grab lunch and it, he almost didn't even know what to do. It was like, he's mm. used to like kind of asking for money and then I know his name. And so it's just this one of these moments I'm like, God, I, for me, that's success. That's so awesome. And that, I hope that inspires some of our listeners to do that. You do that in LA and no one's going to look at you cause they just assume, oh Yeah. Everybody's weird out here, whatever. So hopefully that'll happen right here in one of our, our valleys. All right, let me ask you about this. You're an author. Um, you've written some books. You got a new one coming out called Love Has a Name. Uh, and I think the subtitle is Learning to Love the Difficult. Um, tell me a little bit about where that idea for the book came from. Yeah, so I kind of referenced it a little bit, but uh, I wrote it during a season uh, where I was jaded, hurt, bitter, broken, and it was really the first time in my life I didn't want to love anybody. Um, I can remember in high school, I always used to look at older people in their 60s or 70s. And I was like, how do you get to be 60 or 70 years old and be so jaded? Mm. Like, when do you become an old, bitter hag? Mm-hmm. You know, because my strong suits have always been the gift of gab, mm-hmm. cheesiness, uh, people, strangers. I mean, like, I just love people in general. Well, about two years ago, I didn't want to love anybody except my wife, my kids, and a few close friends. And so, um, unfortunately, uh, Jesus says loving others, uh, basically other than loving him, is the most important thing. And um, so I began to write a book on how to love people and how to love difficult and different people in a time that I didn't want to love anybody. And, and so it's like, it's, um, I, it's like, Jesus, I need you because I can't mm-hmm. do this. And I, I, it's not just that I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Right. <laughs> right. And um, so I, I wrote this book and having no idea it would release during a time that almost what I felt like uh, two years ago, I feel like our world is experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's jaded watching. I want to watch out for myself, my family and a few other people. And if you disagree with me, well, then that's your problem. Yeah. And exactly. so it's, it's kind of the crazy, the timing of it. And so, uh, it's the name it's, uh, each chapter is the name of a person who's either loved me or I've tried to love them combined with someone similar that Jesus has loved. And so that's where the heart of the book came. It's, uh, I have the writing level of a seventh or eighth grader. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't read, uh, maybe you'll be able to read this book because it's so uh. simple, but, but it's just lighthearted, laid back and, um, I just hope it um, it encourages somebody. I hope even the person who's maybe jaded or kind of to that place of saying I'm done, yeah. hopefully something that I said or say is able to kind of 
maybe kick you out of that or maybe make you think twice about it because um, um, how I end the book is really talking about uh, John. Um, he says, uh, when we love one another, God's love is made perfect within us. Mm. And I've always understood that verse to only apply to what other people see. So like when you love somebody, they see God's perfect love inside you. And I, I never understood that verse to also apply to the person who loves Mm-hmm. That his love is made perfect inside of us. And I've always wondered, why does it feel so good when you love somebody with no strings attached? Mm-hmm. Because his love is made perfect within us. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're never closer to the heart of God than when we're loving somebody else. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I just want more of that. I want, I want God's love for the other person's sake to be made perfect within me. But even from my own soul, um, I want his love to be made perfect inside of me. And so that's where the heart of the book came from. That's awesome. So if people want to get the book, Amazon.com, or should they go to your website? What's the best way to, to get the book? Anywhere you want to buy a book, Amazon, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, okay. any place books are sold, you can get a copy. And I'd be, I'd be humbled and honored by that. And let's see, if people want to hear more from you, uh, your website, church website, podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, for some strange reason, want to hear more, you can go to adamweber.com. And, uh, you can also go to Embrace's website. It's iamembrace.com. You can hear the preaching there. I got a podcast called The Conversation. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, I hope somehow, some way, God can encourage you through this Yahoo. And um, yeah, so, so you can find me on Instagram. It's probably where I'm most active. So come find me there. And I'd, I'd be thrilled to even interact with you and have a conversation. That's awesome. Adam, what a gift. Thank you so much. So appreciate you being with us and just your contribution to the kingdom. And for being in Sioux Falls, uh, it is modern day Nineveh. And you went there willingly. Uh, without having to be swallowed by a whale. So great job. Uh, And for all of our listeners, we'll be back next week with a very exciting announcement and invitation to join a team. And so we'll talk to you then.